Live from the unemployment line behind a giant plush dinosaur in an arsenal kit. Oh, so sad. It's the Vocal Minority Podcast for some reason. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Vocal Minority Podcast. The podcast that is still loving that TFC are playing our wins and losses music whenever Toronto scores a goal. Really so nice kind. Of it really is. We, we so really kind. appreciate that. On this week's show, we talk about TFC's win over the Union, look ahead to matches against the T-Terrorists and WKRPFC, and then settle in as we pepper our special guest with nonstop questions about malls in Alberta, why the Scarborough Bluffs are the best thing ever, and, you know, some soccer talk. And now to this week's panel. He's happy to have almost no MLS-related soccer to talk about. It's Duncan Fletcher. <laughs> it makes it easier that way. <laughs> Less pretending. Less pretending. There you go. Mm. Um, planning on getting the inside dirt on CanPL kits. Say hello to Mark Hinckley. Well, I hope so. I mean, I'm optimistic, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Hard-hitting journalism. Here we go. Here we go. Ah. Ah. Uh, and our very special guest, the man with a killer G&T salad recipe, uh, please welcome <laughs> Mr. Jeff Pollard. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Looking forward to this. We are excited to have you here. Uh, Tony can't be with us today. Something about Gunnar Soros. I don't know what he's got planned, but I'm worried. Um, and then as for me, fuck cancer. And thank you for all the music, Eddie Van Halen. Mm. I know. I know. The way to bring the room down, Kristen. Good job. Yeah. Start, start strong. I see. Panama. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mm. Starting this week's show off with all things Toronto FC. We've got a post-match and a couple of previews to discuss, as well as some player updates, which I'll do first. It's all injury updates. So Josie Altador left last weekend last last weekend's match injured. Shocking. He has a hamstring strain. <gasps> I know. No. Is it the good one or the bad one? There's no difference. Oh, that's right, they're the same. We have to get the hamstrong bracelets out of mm-hmm. out of storage again. Yeah. Uh, unknown timeline for his return, as per usual. Mm. Oh, it's, it's it's one of the regular ones. Gotcha. When when do playoffs theoretically start in this league this year? Um, November. Oh, okay. Mm. After the November international break, because they're quick playoffs this year, right? It's all one and done again. I think. Okay, that helps. Hey, he might be back then. We don't need him until yeah. then. That's true. Yeah, He'll dr- be fine. Dr- dramatic second half substitute in the in the semifinals gets the game winner. Yeah. On to play Seattle again. Yeah. Well, dreams, as is foretold dreams. by the Oracle. So yeah, well, 
They're never wrong. Traditions are important. Mm. True. Uh, Justin Morrow also left last weekend's match injured, which is mm. not good. Uh, has a minor with Josie Elsador's hamstring too. No, he has a minor calf strain and oh. is expected to be out for a few weeks. Uh, poor farmer. Um, Michael Bradley apparently progressing well, but not expected to be available just yet. However, good news. Aro has been out for a few weeks now with an ankle injury, but should be available for uh, tomorrow night's match against the T-Terrorists. Huzzah! Junior! Junior! And that will help solve um, some issues, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes. Um, One other thing before we dive into the matches themselves. Novo Okello, who, as we know, was recently loaned out to HB Koch, um, joining fellow TFC Academy teammate Rocco Romeo, has already scored a goal. Playing for them. I know, and it was a very nice goal, too. You can find the highlights out there on the Twitters. Uh, I do recommend looking at it. It was lovely. Um, And has played in more than one match. Yay for minutes! Yay! Yay! Allowed a young TFC Academy prospect getting minutes anywhere? (laughs) Has that even proven to work? I mean, really? Mm. It's allowed outside of anyway. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, first up then is the Union post match, and that was an improvement. Um, Mm. Still a game of. You know, oh, let's be let's be shit to start, and then we'll improve as the match goes on. But far less, you know, a much better game than the previous week's Jekyll and Hyde act uh, against the crew. Um, you know, playing a consistently solid team in the Union. Um, you know, I know there were some early similarities. Uh, you know, the Union struck first on that goal from Sergio Santos, barely five minutes in. Omar Gonzalez and Richie Larea both blew defensive assignments. Um, and gave Santos way too much room, and he just chipped it over a cue. Um, the Omar Gonzalez question keeps coming up. Like he is just—I don't know if it's you know if it's if it's just the man is stressed because of what's going on in the world, and I totally get that. Or he's a year older. Uh, he's just not been—it's not been the same Omar Gonzalez that we've that we loved last year. So. Hopefully, and that most of the league has loved in the years that they had him. exactly. So <laughs> it's you know, uh. um, and then you've got Altidore and Morrow leaving the match injured. So everything is everything is everything is awful. Um, and then things start to turn around. You know, Q made a couple big saves. Um, you know, Io Akinola puts away a stunning header from a beautiful pass from newbie left back Tony Gallagher, and then. Toronto scored on a set piece. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, good ball in from Piatti. Nathinga got ahead to it. And then another header. Both goals were headers this week. So I just realized that. Pause headed into the net past Andre Blake. Huzzah. I, I was surprised to see um, uh, Pazuelo get up from like the header came, like the, the ball came across and, and the diving header came in and, and, and it was. For some reason, I was expecting a goal to be scored by anybody that wasn't Pozuelo, because that just seems like a grinder goal to get. You know, like right place, right time. Good job, Marky Duga. Oh, that's not Marky Duga. <laughs> like I honestly reacted, like, like, like if I had pearls to clutch, I'd be like, oh, that's not him. And just, it was just weird because I, 
like like brilliant. Both headers were brilliant, and and you know. Well, never had a chance. No, and Pozuelo was in acres of space. Like, oh, like, yeah. like he, he had time to sit down, you know, make himself a cup of tea, uh, have you know, read oh, the yeah. paper, and then put that in. Fabulous stuff. Yeah. Fa- good finish. I, I was, I was pleased that they got their crap together after the first half of halfedness. It was, you know, we saw it. It was there. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, just another good result. They keep beating good teams. So you can't argue with that. No, no. So yeah, you've got an a MLS player, not wait, team of the week performance from Paws. Uh, Piatti involved throughout the match. Strong game from him. Akinola looking good, scoring again, which is, you know, no pressure, kid. But uh, hey, this is all about you now. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, a good, a good comprehensive team performance as the as the match wore on um midfield looked a lot more uh a lot more solid this week um with uh delgado and osorio it's still really weird to me to see osorio so far back on the pitch um taking on for the most part michael bradley's role but it seems to be working the 442 is what's doing it the uh the other formation from the previous week was just a nightmare and i think when they've got this personnel they have to shy away from it uh, so you've got, yeah, no pressure for, for Iowa but, uh, you know, Achara's not back yet and, mm-hmm. uh, Mullins is, Mullins is better, but it's Patrick Mullins. Sorry, Patrick, but he's, he's good for the occasional spiteful goal. That's fine. Um, but you know, you've got other players scoring goals, which is important, but it's good to see Akinola being involved and being lively. Uh, I think, though, out of the two, you know, Justin Morrow is the one who's going to be missed more because um, defensively, you know, as a, as, a, as a cornerstone at the back there. But with Aro returning, um, as much as I know they prefer to play Larea on the right because that's his natural position, he has played quite admirably on the left on many an occasion. So... While Gallagher is still getting, you know, getting his feet under him. I don't know if they want to make him a consistent starter yet. You know, slot uh, uh, Larea back in over on the left, put Arrow back in his usual spot on the right, and just go about your business. True. That's definitely an option. I guess, you know, Gallagher, you'd say until he gets his feet under him, is he not fully fit to be going 90 minutes yet? Or what's. Oh, no, I. I think it's more of a adjusting to MLS play. Mm, okay. Fair enough. But but he came in like very late, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he? Like he got a whole four minutes. Um what what play is he adjusting to on four minutes? Right, no 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 no, not on, <laughs> on the on the union no. match? No, he came in whenever Morrow went out. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, sorry, Gal- sorry. I was looking at Patrick Mullins. My apologies. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Sorry. Yeah, Gal- for fifty-two minutes. That, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I was, okay. I was like, I was like, he played like wow. reading is good. I'm good at that. I'm, good at reading. I'm, I'm concerned, but oh. happy for you all at the same time. Drop mark. Yeah, exactly. Way to look good in front of our guest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, research. That's what this guy does here. <laughs> all right. So now TFC are. Um, Saturday night's match was the first of the the five in 
and what is it, 17 days, what did I say last week, something like that. It's a lot. Too many. So they've got two matches this week, uh, one tomorrow night, day after recording, and one on Sunday. Uh, first up, against the T-Terrorists, um, they had to Foxy Foxborough and the terrible turf at Gillette Stadium. Silver lining, at least Josie doesn't have to play on it. Hey, he's already injured. Oh, pre-injured. He's pre-injured. It's it's it's. This is this is this is for the greater good. This Ooh. is this is a light injury as opposed to you know the potential career-ending injury he could get at Gillette Stadium. So, um, the New England's been not bad actually. They they've had they've had good results lately. They they started out kind of rough this season but the season is so weird it's hard to peg anyone's early form but they you know a couple wins couple draws in their last five um what are they in the league they fourth or something like that they're they're not too terrible fifth they're not too terrible spot at the moment um and they are sorry they're sixth still that's like it barely means anything in that little mushy part um they're one of those teams that Toronto has had issues with and have not historically played that great against them, except for in, you know, recent years and a couple a few draws. Um, but they're always, they're, they're always, they're almost always close get matches. Um, but yeah, like the Rev have 10 wins to TFC's two in their all time matches. And there's five draws. So it's just one of those one of those clubs that they're usually you know there's usually goals they're usually kind of messy matches. Um, is is that specifically at Gillette Stadium? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes more sense then. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all at yeah. This is all in Foxy Foxborough. Um, mm. So you know, like this is not a great team, but. A decent team right now. Uh, they've got some. They've got some. You know, some strong players. Uh, they have. You know, the color plays for them. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got four goals this season already. Gustavo Boo has four goals already this season. Uh, you've got a number of players just with singles. Um, but they have like a consistent. They have a consistent club uh, that. Is 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 you know I don't I don't want to put any I don't want to give I ne- I never want to give Bruce Arena any props for anything so I'm just assuming that it's the players that have done this on their own without any assistance or guidance from him so um so yeah uh this is uh they also have Fagundes watch your mouth I'm sorry my bad okay. uh we have. They, you know, they've had a couple days off. They don't have to travel too terribly far. Um, but oh, this is a New England derby, isn't it? It is exactly. This is a big one. Grr. I, I hope when this is all said and done, all of this said, uh, this weirdness of being based out of East Hartford, that shit like that is something that happens. Like ten years down the line, they're still calling it the New England derby <laughs> because. <laughs> For 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 that month and a half in 2020, <laughs> we played there. Is it too late for, for somebody to come up with an actual trophy for this? Let's get one of those. Kind of let's get one of those derby men. One of those three sided hats, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bronze it, and we're gonna 
pass it back and forth. And it will mean more to me than the Trillium Cup ever did. So perfect. <laughs> you want a tricorner? Now we need to go. The, now we need to find out what those three-sided hats are called. Are they just called tricorner hats? Is it, is it that simple? I feel like I it is. Tricorn, isn't it? Or a tricorn? Yes, tricorn hat. Yes, they shorten it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The ER so, just makes it. Okay. The extra R made it hard. That's yeah. the uh, that's the the name for this. Darby, if you will. Yeah. The Tricorn Hole. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Uh, all right. We, we've got yeah. a title for this episode already. We need to trademark that. Quick. Yeah. Someone at MLS is going to steal that from us at any second. Although, I'm sure they'll just co-op the trophy from us and then get it sponsored by a car company. It's fine. Mm. Or, or Sam Adams Beer. Or Sam Adams beer, yeah. Why not? Huh. Hmm. Makes sense. It's right there, ish. All right. Well, who is uh, a player to watch? And Jeff, please feel free to, to to play along with player to watch. We are going to ask for your prediction for this match, by the way, because for people at home for listening, uh, Jeff's a TFC fan. So if you were thinking that he had allegiance somewhere else, he doesn't. He's ours. So there. This is true. Yeah, because <clears throat> he's a Torontonian. Alberta, you're just borrowing him. That's um, it. All right. Well, Jeff, then who's your player to watch from the New England Revolution? I don't have one. Um, no pressure or anything. No, I don't have one. Uh, what do you think? We'll come back to you. Yeah, come back to you. You're testing me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. Duncan? Um, I'm going to go with Tommy McNamara. He's always intrigued me a lot. I feel like when he first broke into the, the league oh, you know, a, f- a few years back, like when I still paid regular attention, he said, oh, he's like really good and often you know, inconsistent but exciting, and he's with New England now. So, um, you know. Maybe he'll do something. Maybe this is where it'll all finally come together for him because it hasn't really has it ever. Um, so, yeah, maybe him now. Tommy McNamara. I like it. I like it. Marcus? Um, I'm going to swear. So cover your ears. Okay. Diego Fagundes. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, I. It's mostly just because, A, funnest name to say, yep. at least in her context. Uh, uh, most, But also, too, um, I... I feel like he's he's always going to be like so close to having that breakout season. Mind you, at this point in his career, it might not be happening. But he's still um, he's only twenty five. I know, I know but like, baby. But he's been in the league for like ten years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's had he's had a much longer career than most uh, NCAA grads who play in this league. So um, uh, yeah, I, I I always like watching him play. He's always he's always fun. So why not? I'll give him a shout. I'm going to go with uh, Lee Wynn because since his return to the Rev, he hasn't, he hasn't scored a goal yet. But I feel like if there's a team that's going to, you know, rejuvenate him, it's going to be TFC because that's TFC's special gift is, oh, you haven't scored a goal in quite some time or you need the first goal of your career. Here you go. Let us just open a path for you to do that. Um, and it's, you know what, I, I feel kind of bad for, for him. He's such a talented player um, and has 
been a lot of fun to watch over the years, but in the last couple of years, just because he's, you know, he's been jumping around team to team, never really quite finding his footing. So it's almost, it's almost comforting to see him back with the team terrorists. Um, so it's not that I want him to score, but I kind of expect him to score. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right, Jack. Spotlight's back on you. Well, you know, I'll just – I mean, I guess I'll go with Teal Bunbury if I pick anybody just because of his uh, – because of – yeah, you got to go with the family connection without – you know, yeah. I mean, um, who else do you take for me? It's not a team I, I follow or even enjoy, so. There you go. Um, That's fair. I, gotta, yeah. I have a feeling that there are people in New England who don't follow or enjoy them either, so. <laughs> You New Tony is yeah. just like old Tony. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, Teal's a good, he's a good shout. Like, as much as we dislike him, um, it's, 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 he's annoyingly talented. So, um, and he's having a good season. Damn it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And you get the whole, you know, he could have been, could have played for us and didn't. Yep. And uh, so there you go. So he's always he it's nice to choose. Hamilton. Yeah, it's nice to choose the villain. Yeah, it's nice. To exactly. I, those are the ones that always play well when they play against a Canadian team, or the ones that could have been Canadian. You know. So there you are. Fair, fair. All right then. Uh, predictions, everyone, for this match. Don't everyone jump in all at once. Try not to. Um, I'll go with. Um... I'll go three one Toronto. Okay. I don't know. I don't know where the goals are coming from. It just seems fun to to think it might happen. Uh, I will go one 0 Toronto and as a tragic season ending injury to uh, Stop it. So dark. Season ending, not career ending. I mean, oh, oh okay, yeah. good. But, you know. Um I'm going. I'm going one-one because it's it's just it's, it's they're playing and they're playing there, and I, I have even though they should beat this team, I, I feel like there is a chance that they won't. Uh, Jeff, two-nil, TFC. Excellent. Right. All right, and then we jump ahead to Sunday, 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 Sunday. Uh, to WKRP FC. Yes, they are off to Cincinnati, although. Is it even a match if Nick Hagland isn't there? It's not one that matters to me. Right? Like, why should we even bother watching? Except for that, it should be an automatic win, shouldn't it? Like, they're terrible. They're just terrible. And while I feel bad for, you know, any team that has to suffer like this, um, i.e. us in the first few years, but Mm. they haven't... They still haven't found their footing, and this is a this is a tough year in which to figure that out. So, I, yeah, you know, I, I I feel like I feel like this is a match in which Vanny's going to do some squad rotation. Uh, Alex Bono's probably going to be in net for this one. Um, like, and this will be a chance for him to rest some players and to, to shift some guys around. I think. Although, again, who knows who gets injured in in Foxborough, right? So. Oh yeah. Uh, other, other than Akinola, apparently. Um, but I think this is, you know, not that you, you, you know, you never want to like let your guard down against any opponent and TFC do have an unfortunate tendency to play down sometimes, but this should be a match in which they can 
not be more casual, but they can, again, they can rest some players, they can switch some things up um, and still come away with three points. Am I everyone more or less in agreement with that? Or am I just being crazy? Yeah, they should be able to to win. You definitely rest some players, take the chance if it doesn't work out. Yeah, but you know, it should be an automatic win. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, even even uh, 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 FC Cincinnati supporters. Hello, Mike. Uh, who uh, who who I follow um, is. I'm assuming that doom and gloom isn't the darkest it gets are going on about doom and gloom, which means it can only get worse. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, just respect to Mr. Hagland and his teammates, but this should be three points to Toronto. Yeah, it would be three points for FC Edmonton. So it should be three. Boom. Excellent. This is already the best shit we've ever done. Absolutely. That's it. Just, just stop recording there. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. Um, all right. Well, then, <laughs> player to watch. I'm going to go with Kendall Waston because I still feel – and the other thing with Edmonton is like uh, – not Edmonton. See, now look what you've done to me, Jeff. The other thing with Cincinnati is that, like, they do have they do have some players injured and, you know, infected with corona and that sort of thing. Um but Kendall Waston is one of those players that at least gives them a chance in matches, being you know still one of the best defenders in the league, um, who has you know gotten himself into quite the situation playing in Cincinnati. But he's my he's my player to watch for this one. I'm going to take Yuya Kubo just because fantastic name, but you know yeah. he's a designated player. Uh, Japanese, presumably they brought him over here for a reason that he's good. Uh, he's only scored a couple of goals so far this season, but you know, you imagine they're expecting more. I mean, just the name, I command. The name is fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely keeping an eye out for uh, for uh, Nick Haglin because I'm concerned for his health. But in the sake of the game itself and great names. Uh, uh, Shimashov Teton, the keeper. I mean, that's two for two with great Polish names on this on this show, and that is a killer first name. So, uh, I mean, he hasn't had the best season because he's their starting keeper and they're Cincinnati. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, I'm gonna watch him just because I hope he hope he's uh, okay when it's all said and done. Hmm. After after he lets in four. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, anything you want to weigh in on this? No, I mean, you know what? I would have, I would have probably gone Kendall Washington as well, but only because I, I think that he's always a penalty waiting to happen. So, oh, you're, yeah, you're yeah. allowed to pick the same player. I agree with you. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, yeah, the, where the goals going to come from? I think they come from him. So there you go. Yeah, give him <laughs> gifts. But yeah. All right. Well, that that leads in nicely to predictions. Four uh, 0 Toronto. Kind of, I already said that just before. Oh, okay. I went three 0 I was, I was restrained. <laughs> I'm going to go words of two one Cincinnati. Uh, what? Go. <laughs> they'll make you bastard. Yeah, they'll maybe uh, you know just rest some many some players and weird things will happen and you know, they'll lose. It'll be fine. And the Boston scores all the goals. 
Yes. Zavaletta starts. Yeah. No, okay. No. I see this. Yeah. yeah. I'll, you know what? Maybe 3 1. I'll, I'll give them a goal just because there'll be roster rotation. Fair. That's reasonable. I like it. I like it. Okay. Okay. This jam is amplified, so just glide. Glide. Let your backbone slide. Slide. You listen to every word I say. Every verb you heard, I play. Snap the bird a break. You try to cover. I hover me a roast, a fake, a flag that I run a post. Toast. I'm the most. F's how it goes, no X's or O's or tic-tac-toes, LTD knows, this ain't a game, I'm on a mission, call me a hip-hop tip-tactician, all right, next up on the show, and basically for the rest of the show, uh, it's, 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 it's CanCon time, um, we could talk about players being loaned overseas, uh, the preparations that team from Hamilton might be making, the lack of an international break for Canadian players, the awesomeness of Christine Sinclair, who scored four goals in the NWSL last week. Uh, instead, nice. our CanCon section is all about one man. That is Mr. Jeff Paulus. Woo! It's going to be a very short show then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Have you seen the list of questions? Um, our short shows uh, will still run for another 45 minutes. Exactly. Like, like, seriously. I don't know what you're expecting, Adeline, but I know what I'm Adeline. expecting. Um, first off, we have to wish you a happy belated birthday. It was your birthday you. on the weekend. And, uh, happy birthday, sir. Thank you. Yeah, 51 years young. You're not that old. You, 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 you don't look any – I would not have – No, I would no, not no would I at all. Soccer obviously keeps you young. Mm, um, last two years, but before that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I presume uh, you you told me that you were you were at training that day. Did your did your players did they do anything for you, or were they just extra productive? No, I did, they didn't know. <gasps> yeah, I kept it uh, because I'm I'm still new here, so I keep that quiet. That's yeah. probably that's it's probably hard. for the best. Exactly. You never know with these kids. You never know. <laughs> so. You are Toronto born and raised, mm-hmm. and then you headed out east for school, and then ultimately landed in Alberta. Right. So you've you know you've lived all over this country, uh, but yeah. as a kid in Toronto, growing up, you know you were you were into soccer, and you weren't just a fan of one of our favorite teams, Toronto Blizzard, mm-hmm. uh, who's Mark Mark paid homage to in our logo. Um, mm-hmm. But you were a ball boy? I would have been, yeah, I was. I was a few times. A few what? times, yeah. I'm, we're, and we're trying to figure out, too. So, I mean, obviously, everyone knows my, I spent five years here with Colin Miller, who's still a great friend of mine. And we're trying to figure out the timeline. I, I may have actually, you know, shagged a couple of his um, errant passes. We, we've, we've tried to figure that out. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think the timeline works for that. So probably around 1983 or 84, it would have been at Exhibition Place at the time. CNE. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So, yeah, it was amazing. No. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, that's all I, at the time, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. As a ball boy, what, what type of ball boy were you? Were you just, you know, conscientious, play right down the middle, no favoritism, whatever? Or were you a bit of a shit disturber? Yeah, you're going to favor the blizzard and just throw the ball away from the other guys. 
Were you one of those ball boys? Those are the best ball boys. Were you? You know, I was probably actually just scared, just worried about not getting hit by the ball, to be fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then if I get it, don't trip or do something stupid in front of people watching. But yeah, I was probably more worried about myself than, uh, than either team, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it was me now doing it, yeah, I'd be a, I'd be that kid that kicked the ball into the stands, you know. If we're up against, oh my God, that, that clip was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes the the the, the, the concacaf dark arts is what i like to call I them i love i love that it's true i'm not gonna lie like even at uh last year in my first year at fc edmonton with the cpl uh most of the ball boys were our academy players and and yeah I, I will be very honest and i have said depending on the scores how they behave on the sideline getting a ball back in so yes. nice yeah. Well, that's just strategy. It is. It's, uh, yeah, tactics. This is the sort of thing Canadian players slash ball boys whoever, need to be learning. Yeah. They're going to be competing in CONCACAF. We need to, uh, yeah, need to know yeah. how to do it. We can't always be nice Canadians. Nope. This is the kind of development I can get behind. Yeah. Just, just, just throwing that in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah, forget player development. Ball boy development is the key now. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'll work with them. No problem. There you go. Okay, good, good. Yeah, Liverpool's got yep. a throwing coach. I'll be the ball boy coach. There you <laughs> are. <laughs> All right. So, so we have like we have so much we want to ask you. We're going to try to restrain ourselves a bit. Um, obviously, we want to talk to you about your time with FC Edmonton. Uh, you were there for almost ten years. You know, ranging from working, you know, alongside Colin Miller. You were the technical director for the academy, and then the past couple of years, you were the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one question I want to ask you before we get into like all the nitty gritty. You had an opportunity as a, as a coach or as an assistant coach to work with one of our favorite XTFC players. And that is Chris Konopka. Yes, that's right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to know about him? <laughs> Whatever you feel like, tell, like we know he's an uh, out there kind of guy. Like we loved him. Just, we called him yeah. affectionately. We called him the caveman. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, we thought so. Uh, we've been told privately that he actually enjoyed that nickname, so we're like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, just you know, if you have a if you have a, a Kanopka tale or or not, you don't have to. But we were just excited when we realized, hey, Jeff worked with Kanopka. Yeah, no, I've got nothing uh, nothing bad to say about him, and um, oh, I spent a lot of time with the keepers. But yeah, I, I generally don't like keepers, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so. <laughs> But what I will tell you, though, great guy. Honestly, a great guy. But, uh, yeah, I, I stay away from the end of the pitch. But, um, yeah, no, nothing bad to say. Good guy. You know, he's uh, – yeah, he came in here. Um, I think I think it was injury. I think he struggled with some injuries at the end of the season. So Tyson Farrago got a big uh, – got his big opportunity with the club, if, uh, if I'm correct on that. But, yeah, so I, I think his injury opened the door for Tyson Farrago to kind of move his career forward. So there you go. There's my story about him. But, no, I – Nothing there. A really nice guy, and I'm not sure where he is now. Do you know? He was. He was with. Um, what was he? he? Was in Ross County, and then. Um, that is a good question. Where is he right now? Sorry, I usually I, have this. I want to say he was in down in. Uh, oh, I was about to guess. Rowdy. Yeah, he was with the Rowdy, yeah. but he's just oh, been. Right. He hasn't played. Like he was. He was with Minnesota. Uh, he was with the Loons really briefly. Mm-hmm. Always a backup, never got any playing time. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, currently 
technically with Tampa Bay, but again, they're not. I don't think he's he hasn't seen the pitch. He hasn't played since his time with Edmonton. No, well, and even and even prior to that, he really, you know, he spent a lot of his career, I think, as the number two keeper. So exactly. Uh, yeah, but it takes it takes. Uh, I mean, a different individual keepers are different anyhow, but it takes a a different individual to to be satisfied with that. You know, especially that position. There's only two, and one's playing all the time if they're playing well. So you've got to be happy being mm-hmm. number two. I mean, he's he's had like just looking at his resume, it's it's lengthy, and it's also not a lot of appearances yeah, exactly. at the same time. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, like I, I it's it, I've always been, I've always been personally uh, uh, intrigued by. The, like the career backup like how do you how are you a career backup mm-hmm. how did you how are you doing this how, like never mind just staying in the game but just mentally keeping yourself up to be like i know what my role is i understand what my role is i don't fear of you know my career ending abruptly like that's 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 a hell of a slog and i mean yeah i mean they keep it keeps getting work he's obviously doing great great stuff yeah, yeah. I don't know how they do it. I mean, maybe maybe they're the smart ones. They sit on the bench. They get to eat the pregame meal, the postgame meal, and um, <laughs> you know. So there you go. Hard to, hard to get hard to get injured on a piece of chicken. Exactly. But. Yeah, maybe they're the smartest ones. <laughs> Kapka, you're starting. Um. <laughs> Yeah. About that. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm just not feeling it today, Coach. Let the other kids. Yeah, exactly. There's. I saw an yeah. academy kid in the in the, in the parking lot. Are, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you mentioned that you've been at Edmonton for a long time, many different positions and multiple different leagues. I guess. Right. Um, just straight up obvious uh, question. Just best memory of the entire time there. Um, best memory, best memory is actually probably, you know, coaching in a game uh, against, not that I was the head coach at the time, but, but, um, well, two memories, one coaching in a game against Raul and Senna, um, with the Cosmos would stand out because, you know, as this young, as this Canadian coming through the system, whoever thought, you know, you'd be on a sideline coaching against players of that level. And, uh, the second was, um, you know, when we should have beaten Montreal impact in 2015, uh, Canadian Championship, and it would have set us up to play against TFC at, at BMO, and it would have been uh, homecoming for me. So, those are the two moments: one a really nice moment, one a crap moment. But um, yeah, those those will always stand out. I think. Fair enough. I mean, the next question there was going to be worst, most frustrating memory. That'd be that Voyagers Cup game. Oh yeah, without question, Drew Fisher, official. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the match. You guys were robbed. We were robbed. It's unbelievable, you know. And then it gets even worse because they always want to come back, and you see, you see a, an official a year later at an airport, and and they want to apologize, you know, that they've changed the uh, fortunes of a franchise because that would have changed our fortunes. That would have changed the club playing in that final, and. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, to have it taken away the way it was was uh, yeah, it was t- horrendous. I, and apparently, I'm still not over it because I keep bringing it up. So, <laughs> so it, it's it's been impactful, I guess. But yeah, that that's the most um, that's the worst moment. Yeah, is that something that happens often? You mentioned that sort of referees kind of like apologizing. Is that? Uh... Yeah, it is. It is. It is. You know, okay. it is. And um, you know, and and you know, right now in the CPL, we have a lot of the refs are, are making their way through. 
you know, and there, and we've got some good young officials, you know, coming through in Canada. And so you'll expect mistakes. And I would never, you know, honestly, just like I made a million mistakes as, as a head coach, learning to be a head coach. And, and a lot of Canadian players make mistakes in the league, learning to be pros. The refs are no different, you know, but when, when you have, you know, MLS level refs making those mistakes that are supposed to be, you know, nationally carded and, um, you know, those ones are a bit harder to tolerate. And, uh, yeah, so anyhow, I don't, I don't mind, I, I don't mind hearing it from a young up and coming ref, but when you get this, the senior guys out of, yeah, it's, uh, they're hollow words after a year, you know, anyhow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. It's not like we don't still look back at, you know, Atiba being on side or anything. That's, that's not right. something anyone no. talks about no. anymore. No, no. no. No, of of who would bring that up anyway? Exactly. Why? Why would? Why would you think about that yeah. changing the fortunes of a nation? No, don't be silly. No, exactly. It. So, let's ask the big question then. Mm-hmm. Um, your your time with FC Edmonton as a head coach has has ended. Mm-hmm. Why? What happened there? Why did you leave, or why were you asked to leave? What is the situation with F, with the Eddies? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I think it's it's um, it's mutual. I mean, I made a comment after one of our losses, and um, you know where I thought maybe this organization needs a new voice. And I and when I said that after post game, it was there was a couple of reasons I meant it. I'll typically I typically mean whatever I say to be honest, and um, so I didn't mean that at the time. I still I still today would say the same thing. And um, but also I want to protect the players because our performances weren't as bad as our results, unfortunately, but the results speak for themselves. So uh, I did want to protect the players and, and make sure that the uh, blame was on me at that time and not them, because some of our supporters here, you know, they, they were harsh. I don't care if they're harsh on me, but they were harsh on some of our players. And I think, you know, unfairly because their comments are actually quite wrong, you know, what they were saying. So there was a bit of that, but, you know, I think it takes, um, I was, uh, I was a very good assistant coach uh, to Colin Miller. And um, I, was, I was at, you know, almost the academy manager. I could put my arm around a lot of players, you know, be that go-between, um, you know, try to help them get back up if they're, feel, if they're a bit down at the moment, not their best form. And that was, I was good at that and good at being the support in a supporting role. I think when I took all the pressure on my shoulders and, and part of that pressure too was, not I mean, I was able to be the head coach about 40% of my day. You know, I was the interim general manager for the club. I was the director of football for the club. I was the communications man, you know, writing communications for the club for a little. I mean, it's just there were so many jobs I was I was trying to wear at the same time. And um, but the stress was getting to me as well. You know, and I just I sat back and, and I had to I questioned whether or not, you know, I was ready for this uh, to, to continue. Um, what is in the best interest of FC Edmonton, but also what's in the best interest for me and, and how I want my career to go forward. And there was an opportunity being developed here at Edmonton Scottish where I'm at now. That was one that. I was really, um, really excited by, and it would get me back working with young players again and, you know, where my strength is, I believe at the moment. So a lot of things came together, but yeah, and it was mutual. I mean, I think, I mean, obviously the ownership group here wants to win games and we didn't win one when I was away, you know? So I think it was an easy, kind of an easy conversation to have where we both, I think both parties thought it was the right thing to do. So, yeah. So you brought up going to Edmonton Scottish. Um, and there was a little... There's, there's a, there was a little bit of like a confusion over that 24 hours, like after you had mm-hmm. formally announced that you were stepping down, the team announced everything. So you're no longer head coach, but you were still the technical director of, of the Eddie's Academy. And then the yeah. next day, you were 
the with Edmonton Scottish instead. So mm-hmm. was it just a poor choice of wording? Was it trying to be gentle in the public or what was happening there? Yeah, I don't know why they, they kind of chose the release that they did choose to put out there. But so my role, you know, with FC Edmonton and I, yeah, my, I, my role basically is to help with the transition with the new manager coming in so they don't start from scratch. And um, because there's a lot of rules in the, in the CPL, there's as many, honestly, we have as many rules as the MLS has. Um, so, so I think for the new manager coming in, uh, I was going to be there just to lend a hand, just to get sorted out. But, you know, honestly, it was really, the role is more about um, trying to make sure the young players in the program don't get lost. And we've got some good young academy players that are part of the U20 team right now. And then the couple young guys on the first team. And I'm really just here, like even the, you know, the relate the, the move that we just got for Eastern and Girl. I mean, that was um, that came through a partnership that I had set up over the last year with a, a company, in, uh, an agency in, in Germany, um, to promote our players and to that's act great. on our behalf. Yeah. So, so that's really where the role is. It's not the technical director of the academy. Uh, I'm not going to be doing that role. I'm not going to be coaching in the FC Edmonton Academy. Um, I'm going to be coaching at, at Edmonton Scottish. You know, I'm really just here to help out FC Edmonton uh, through this transition period. And um, and there'll be the right time when I step away from FC Edmonton 100%. And um, basically, you know, when they're sorted out, um, I'll look to make that move permanent. And um, and yeah, so so it's really, it's an interim position and it's really just to help with transition. Um, and again, to make sure someone's caring for the young players. And that has always been, you know, like the, you talk to anybody when anyone, when anyone talks about you, that's what comes up the most is, um, is your focus on, uh, on younger players, on bringing them up, on, on giving them, you know, like that technical advice or that shoulder, or just giving them that pathway up to, um, you know, the first team up to a different part of their career and how you like to discover and nurture talent. So is would you say like that is, is that your favorite thing about coaching or about working in soccer? Yeah. Yeah, I would actually. Um, yeah. I mean, I you know I built the Academy in, in, um, in 2012, I got to design it, you know, and based on a, a lot of input from Harry Sinkerlove and Hans Schreiber, the two Dutch coaches we had at the time. Oh, I didn't and know that. Yeah. Yeah. My first year was at the two Dutch coaches and then Colin Miller came in my, in my second year. And, um, and that's when I kind of got promoted to the assistant coach uh, of, of, with Colin, but as well as doing the academy job. Yeah, so it's always been that way for me. You know, it's always um, – I've always been a big believer in young Canadian players, uh, but just never having an opportunity. And we've have you know, obviously the three professional teams we've had uh, do a good job, you know, with their academies, but it's not enough. And we've got more players throughout this country that, that don't get um, seen, such as in Edmonton. And I wanted to – yeah – you know, I, even when I was a head coach for the last two years or two seasons, a lot of that was bringing in young Edmontonian players. So half our roster was were developed in Edmonton. Fifty um, percent, both years, were developed in our city. So that that's just always been who I am, and um, yeah, I, I think where my passion lies is right there. Would you? What would you characterize as maybe the most difficult thing about about coaching? Um, in Canada or just in general, but I would say like coaching in Canada was sort of, what do you find is the thing that sort of is a stopping point? Oh, so, well, two things I would say. One is um, internal provincial politics. Yeah, um, no kidding. yeah it's horrendous and it, it just drives people away from the game. 
Um, and the second is opportunity, you know, and that, um, and I was very fortunate because I've, I never played professionally. I played at the college level, but for a very short time, um, never played professionally, played the game since I've been six years old, mind you, but never at the highest level. And um, I also don't have an accent. And I think that's also very difficult for coaches at our country, at least in the past, you know, you had to, you had to have an accent to get a, to get a good job. And um, <laughs> so I'll be dead honest. Yeah. Just, Hey. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> so, so um, those are the, yeah, but um, so I've been fortunate because I, I was, um, you know, I've, I've coached at every single level of the game in our country, but never did I think a professional coaching job would, would ever be there for me ever. You know, I thought um, I thought I was doing really well getting to run the FC Edmonton Academy, and I thought that'd be the highest that I would ever get to do, and I was happy there. And then things kind of progressed when Harry and Hans were let go by the club. Colin Miller came in um, his first night in town, you know, when he was getting to meet the owner. Um, him and I went out uh, to an Irish pub, um, I think went through about eight Guinness each and then became best friends. So uh, <laughs> and that was the assistant coach. But yeah, you know, so so opportunity has been very difficult, you know, I think for Canadian coaches. And I think, you know, if anything that I'll, that I'll – be proud about as far as the two years regardless of success and, and the lack of wins was that maybe it's opened the door for you know other Canadians that, that are like me that have not played professionally. Fair enough and then you, you've worked obviously uh, with the CSA directly as well I mean there's obviously a lot of issues that Canadian soccer supporters have with the CSA it's very easy to criticize them from the uh, outside and you know there's obviously issues there you mentioned that the interprovincial things it's probably a lot of just bureaucratic nightmare behind the scenes but mm-hmm. should Canadian soccer fans cut them some slack with the CSA as a whole I or is it you know are there still yeah. a lot of improvements needed um I would say cut some slack honestly at this point in time I mean I think right now um Change is very difficult, and and the problem that we always have is that the associations run the province, run the country, run football, not the uh, not the governing body. So mm-hmm. because we are bottom up as far as our govern uh, governance, um, and not top down, is very difficult. So Canada Soccer then has to go out and get approvals and, and get um, agreements from all these different provinces, each with their own agenda, and um, so it's not like you know when 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 Germany changed their football. Uh, when things weren't going so well for them, they came right from the uh, German Federation. Here's what's happening at every single level of the game in our country, and you're doing this, um, basically, or else. And they've made a change, and of course, they became the powerhouse that they were over the last, you know, decade. Um, this is this is much more difficult in our country because Canada Soccer kind of lacks that ability to go right in and tell these provinces what to do because the provinces are the ones funding them and um, are making decisions on their own outside of Canada soccer. So what we're seeing now though, is, is you've got people in place that are making change They're making changes to coaching education. Um, you know, they're making changes in how they want to see young players develop. They're sharing that information uh, during COVID. I know they've worked really hard to, to get out as much information on how they do things with our, with our national programs now to try and share that information for coaches around the country. So it, it's, um, I think we're hitting a good moment in Canada football. And you see this with uh, Jonathan Davids and Alfonso Davies of the world. There's more than just those two. So we're at a good moment there with players um, getting, bringing recognition to our country and then a real, a real appetite to change um, how we develop players and coaches. So I think it's, I think Canada soccer right now is heading into a, a nice era here. 
So I, I'm going to cut them some slack, personally. All right. That sounds positive. It's hopeful. That's good. Yeah. I'm glass half full most of the time. So there you go. Fair enough. Wait, why did we bring you on this podcast again? <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> Sorry, I know. No, 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 no. Jeff, you're bringing it's balance true. to the force. It's true. We're really talking to balance it out. It's true. <laughs> there we are. All right. So then, you know, all, almost a decade of your life at FC Edmonton. Um, now you're with Edmonton Scottish, taking on your next challenge. You know, you look back, basically more good than bad. Yeah, definitely more good than bad. Definitely. Yeah. Even... Honestly, even this past season, you know, in the PEI games, I'll, I'll look back and some real good moments from that, you know, and um, not the results, of course, but yeah, they're, they're, it'll, def- it'll always be more good than bad for me. You wash your face in my sink, in my sink. You wash your face in my sink. In my sink, sink. You wash your face in my sink. In my sink, sink. You wash your face in my sink. Simplicity with synchronicity makes a mind melt. Revealed impossible like a walk through a minefield. Sadly, get up to bat and take a swing. Think, should I? Should not? Try? Too late. You sunk into the sink that I wash my face. You wash your face in my sink. In my sink, sink. You wash your face in my sink. In my sink, sink. You wash your face in my sink. Tougher. That's what I'm getting. I'm getting rough. All right. So then the next thing we want to ask you about, of course, is the CanPL. And, you know, like, so we've had, this is something that as Canadian soccer fans, we have, you know, we've had, we've, we've had some hits and misses with a, a national league. And we know that uh, a proper um, national league is, is necessary for Canada to progress as a soccer nation. And, you know, we've, we've keenly feel every every time that the hex is even you know barely within our sights and snatched away from us um and then you know we lament the loss of opportunities for young canadian soccer players uh seeing them go overseas and so on and so forth instead of having somewhere to to play here um and then so when the whole campiel thing came into existence uh it was very, very exciting for us and, and not just as, you know, Mark who has, you know, his local team um, in, in the Hamilton club and Duncan and I. Who, Make it sound so quaint. It is. It's adorable. <laughs> oh, my little team in local side. No, you know, but it, it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that it's not just like really super personal on a, on a, this is what's near me. This is where I grew up level, but also as a, this is an important thing for Canada soccer overall, but um, you know, you were, you've been, again, you were with the Eddies during, you were the coach, you know, during all of this transition time, how involved were the teams or were you involved at all in the decision to join the league? Um, So I wasn't so much. I mean, I I gave, you know, I obviously passed on my feedback to the owner that, um, you know, I believed how I believed in this, you know, I always believed that, you know, in the NASL days, it was always going to be a hard sell. You're bringing in Jacksonville for a game. So what's the, there's no attraction to FC Edmonton versus Jacksonville. Um, you know, and, and yeah, so I've always, I always promoted it. Cause I've actually at the time thought we should have gone USL uh, because at least we'd have some West coast pe- uh, teams that people would relate to and um, uh, versus the NASL. But yeah, I mean, I, 
as far as the actual decision, I, I think it came down to really just our owner, you know, deciding that if, if he's going to make a goal of professional football in Edmonton, it had to be against uh, Canadian cities. And um, he must have heard when long before I did. I only heard rumors of the CPL starting, but he was obviously involved in those discussions from the get-go. And um, yeah. Because so you guys had that that transition period where you were you were a club and you almost weren't a club and mm-hmm. you, you really you weren't a club really and then you were reborn as a Campiel club. Yeah, it was an interesting year. I mean, I I stepped back. Uh, that's the year that co- obviously Colin got let go because we had no first team and um, uh, and then I just ran the academy and then I worked um, also as a, a TD for a different club in the city at the time, but. I um I just ran the academy that year, so even that was interesting because I was still trying to do work just to, to promote the club. Um, you know, at the time, pretty private, probably very active on social media at the time, so I would have been promoting as much as I could there to keep the name going at least. And then as the whispers started happening that this league was going to take off, and that you know I heard more through rumor on social media about Tom uh, getting involved in this than than I had heard from Tom. So I, I just I mean I took those questions directly to him, obviously, and. Yeah, you know, he kept everything close to his chest and didn't want to share a lot. But there was a lot of interest to go that way. Jay Ball was a GM at the time, and um, him and I were doing putting on a lot of pub nights. But, yeah, I mean, I'll put on a lot of pub nights because it gets me in a pub. So I was, I was, happy, to, I was happy to help. But um, I admire your commitment to the cause. This is why he's our favorite, right? Like, <laughs> So, yeah, so it was – but it was a great – I mean, an interesting year. And then – yeah, I mean, I knew I knew I was getting the head coaching job probably uh, two or three months before the the official announcement, um, and so it was just yeah at that time just trying to prepare and, and be ready. But yeah, we've had an interesting history of this club so far. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so with the, with regards to to the to the new league and and bringing in you know like starting the league up, and you were talking about uh all of the rules the league has did, mm-hmm. did they did they seek out like you know you said you were sort of it was more like from 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 tom Faf's uh involvement in terms of yes we're going to go in on this um and obviously mostly new teams were formed you were you know you were the existing team that mm-hmm. you know got to got to join um yeah. But did they seek out any input on operations schedules rosters team names Anything no. like that? <laughs> no, no, no. They um, well, they they did go around. They had an idea on their team names um, to be a bit creative with that. You know, uh, go around and and so they did. They did visits. Uh, the marketing, I think, the marketing people from the CPL did visits to each city, tried to kind of get an idea, a sense of what the city was all about, and then come up with the name based on based on that experience. And I know when they came to FC Edmonton. Um, everyone was pretty adamant from the, the ownership down to the, to our supporters that you couldn't change a name. And good. Well yeah. done. Did they try? Did, did they have yeah. any options? No. What were the other I options? Didn't. Tell us. I didn't hear. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, honestly, I didn't hear any of the names and thankfully they're not, no. thankfully they're not <laughs> like any of the seven names or the six that they went with in the other cities. So, mm-hmm. cause I, you know what, for me, I, uh, I want my city. I want my city name on my team. I have to say. I mean, I'm just that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I want to support FC Edmonton or Edmonton FC. Calls whatever you want, but yeah. But if someone tells me I'm a Valor supporter, I don't know what that means. So the way I yes, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I uh, completely um, uh, 
want that too someday. <laughs> Forge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still want to meet everybody in that focus group and give them one open-handed slap across the face because <laughs> okay. I don't think that was real. Yeah. And I, anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm the one. Sorry, and continue, I'm the please. one, that, and I don't know if I'm just being me. You know, and just picking fights all the time. But I, I usually refer to them as their city name when I talk about them. I'll yes. talk about playing Calgary. I'll talk about playing Winnipeg. Um, yeah. In, in Halifax instead of HFX. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Halifax. I, every 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 I time think... Nigel Reed has to say HFX Wanderers on a broadcast, a little part of my soul dies. I know. Oh, it's cringy. It. No, I, <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like even even on even on here, even amongst like. Like in in amongst the Forge supporters, like very very rarely, I shouldn't say rarely, but it's 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 probably about even the number of times we refer to, like even just talking amongst ourselves as Forge or Hamilton, right? And and I like same with Valor, like it's Winnipeg guys, it's Winnipeg. The only one I've seemed to have uh, uh, resolved with is uh, Pacific, yeah. right? But but like it's Calgary, mm. not Cavalry, it's Calgary. Yeah. Well, we hate both names. Yeah, yeah, or Calvary if you're listening to Kurt Larson. Um, <laughs> oh, his precious accent. <laughs> but where I th- you know where I think it really matters is, especially for Hamilton Forge, is when they go and play in Concacaf, because because you actually I think you lose a bit of the, um, I think you lose a bit of your identity and I think a bit of the prestige of that. This is a Canadian team. That's actually competing with and beating Concacaf teams, and um, but you lose that because I, I can imagine that when they're looking at this team, they have no idea where Forge is in the um, and they're checking their globe, and they're checking their map, and they can't figure out where Forge on, where Forge Canada is. So that's sort of an issue for me. The great city of yeah. Forge, yes. <laughs> yeah, forever in Toronto's shadow. But uh, anyhow. Sorry. Sorry, I had to get it in there. I'm a Trentonian. I had to get it out here. Yes, yes. So, what do you see of like the the long term impacts? Well, in short term and long term, on development of like soccer and players in Canada, just having this league. How important is that actually going to be? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. You know, I there, there's listen. There's some things about there's some things that I'd always didn't me I didn't agree with that we do in the league. But I'm a massive supporter of the league, and and I'm a supporter because, you know, I've always believed again that Canadian players we have qualities here in our country, but they never get the opportunity to show that this league is going to showcase those players. I mean, Easton and Garrow is a great example. You know, he was a good university player, but he's mm-hmm. off to Denmark right now uh, on a loan. That could that could eventually turn into a, a transfer, and um, if it wasn't for this league, he would probably be finishing up his fourth year at University of Alberta, and then he'd go on to his career, maybe play some you know senior men's amateur uh, football in in Alberta after that was done. So this league is finding those players, the Muhammad Farsis of the world. You know, it's given these the Daniel well Daniel Crutzen, I think was had a bit of background before he came into our league, but. Um, Orges, you know, there's there's so many players I think that um, that are just going to be able to use this as the launch pad to their career. Um, but also, what it does is, I mean, our development pathway for so many players here was club football, maybe maybe one of the three or four professional academies, um, and then from there they would go into college or university soccer, and then at mm-hmm. that point maybe they might have a chance. 
Well, what I like about this league and, and you know, certainly ourselves, um, Calgary, Pacific now that they're getting into the youth development side themselves, um, you're putting players in professional academies who are only so in, in the difference there is that there's only a consideration for their development um, as a footballer, not on wins, not on going to a national club championship or things like this. It's just on developing the player. So, so our league now, if we get it right, um, and the one thing I'd like to see us get better is we have that U21 Canadian rule. That should be U19 rule for me, not U21. Let's okay. get players playing at 17, 18, 19 professionally, not 2021. 20, um, I think we can have more of an impact that way. But yeah, so I, but I think though for many of these players, then it's going to create an opportunity to, to see what it's like to be a pro at a younger age, and then of course they they open up doors when they're. 21, 22 years old, as we're starting to see with some of the movements already. You know, uh, uh, Waterman's another great example. He, he would yeah. have gone missing if it wasn't for this league. And, um, and now he's an MLS player. So, yeah, I, I think that um, our league serves a purpose there for the young Canadians. And, and hopefully that, that vision doesn't change in the near future. I know you've, uh, you've, you've kind of touched on some of the more player development uh, related qu- uh, parts of of this particular question, but um, what what do you feel that the league needs to do as a whole to improve? Well, um, I mean, quite honestly, and sorry for everyone that's, that has to actually fund all this, but you know, I think the salary cap has to, will have to increase over time. Um, I think that will allow us to to attract, I think, stronger international players and maybe even one or two senior Canadians back into our league. Uh, that would be elsewhere. So, because that's going to raise a standard, you know, and is, and uh, I, again, you know, uh, some of these international players are also going to come in and help young Canadian players get better, learn, uh, learn what it's like to become a pro, as opposed to, you know, right now, we're really a league at the moment of a lot of 20 to say 21 to 24 year old, you know, Canadian players, a lot straight from university, Ontario League One, uh, PLSQ. And I think that, uh, that that will be the biggest change for improving the league is just a, a salary cap change, growth. But that'll come with growth of the league. So it's all it's all tied together of revenue versus salary cap. Um, but when that happens, the league will start to improve as well by just being able to attract, you know, just a, maybe a different quality player. This is great. This is so much. This is just it's so great to hear your perspective on everything and uh, for you to share you know, your thoughts on, on, you know, even just, you know, it's only two years in, right. To have, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause so much, so much has changed already within the league and so much can continue to change. So um, anything that you really, um, when you look at the league, you're just like, this is something that they got right. Um. One thing they got right. Well, you know, I, I think limiting, uh, especially right now, I think limiting the number of um, international players to seven, I think they've gotten right. Um, so that's one thing. I, I think, I, honestly, I think the salary cap, uh, where, where it was set for year one and two, um, I think they got that right as well because, you know, we saw in the NESL, um, that, that could have been a very good league. Oh, there was no salary cap. It could have been a very good league. Um and I often felt that level-wise, it was actually right there. With the only difference between a lot of the teams in, in NASL and MLS was actually the designated player. Um, so but what happened in the NASL was that the Tampa Bay's came in, uh, Miami, 
uh, and the Cosmos, and they just blew up. They blew apart the salary structure. I mean, they were. I mean, I think they had three million dollars salaries, you know, player salaries. And uh, so, how does how do the smaller clubs like when Ottawa, when they're in the league, or us, we can't we can't compete? And uh, it got so they just they jumped too far ahead. To, they jumped too fast. This our league salary cap by by keeping the expectations at a certain level. I think it, it did a couple things. It allows the owners to stay in it for longer. Um, and it also provides that opportunity for so many of these young Canadian players that had there been no salary cap, a lot of these kids wouldn't be in our league. A lot of the Canadian kids wouldn't be in the league. So, so I think it was important for that reason as well. Okay. Um, so the Island Games, we, we touched on the Island Games, the, the PI Games a little bit. And I remember talking to you um, when the tournament was, was, was finally announced was finally happening and um you know there was there was there was concerns in the in the in the beginning one how long it took them to organize it um to maybe most importantly how little um turnaround time there was between hey here's the schedule um we're telling you five days beforehand and we're gonna play all of our games when Hardly anybody can watch. We know everyone's home during quarantine, but other people might have jobs. You know, like it just seemed, it was very, very disjointed beginning. And I know, um, I know that there was frustration from not just yourself, but uh, from the players, from other, other, other coaches and players. Um, how did you sort of, uh, you know, get through those initial frustrating, the frustrating beginning to, um, you know, obviously not a successful event for for the Eddies on a on a games points level, mm-hmm. but um, you know a, it was a well executed event overall. Like the, mm-hmm. no one got sick. Um, yeah. The the football was uh, good quality to watch. Like we enjoyed mm-hmm. it from home, and yeah. Um, yeah, it was just you know it was just a, such an interesting. It was because it, it was a shorter tournament too, but mm-hmm. to go from being like kind of angry and stuff at the beginning to coming out at the other side? Like how was, how did you sort of work with the players and, and get yourself through that? Yeah. So, so the initial, I mean, kind of the initial frustrations, I guess that, that were there um, as you're kind of leading this to this, not really knowing what's happening, you know, yeah, you, you've got your different ways to come back into training and phase one, two, three, and it just seemed that there was no rules at the time or they were not consistent. So, yeah, I mean, the way I got through that, I have a, um, I have this wonderful uh, bar that's been built up over seven years of getting duty freeze in the NASL. So gin and rum <laughs> got me through that period um, of frustration. That's spectacular. Yeah, it, it, the bar is. I have to say, it's been a, it's a lot of duty free, but um, <laughs> that's yeah. where your DNT salad comes from. I'll tell you what, I know. Yeah, I've got yeah. Yeah, everyone thinks I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about GNT salad. Uh, Jeff, will you give us your GNT salad recipe, please? Because it's one of oh. my favorites. I, I I I rely on this salad now. No, I just but now you put me on the spot here. I'm trying to remember it. I know I've got cucumber. Um, you have to use Hendrix. Um, yes. Oh, I'll get back to you. I have to get back to you on that. If I get back on Twitter, I'll post it again. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, but you know what? A lot of that was actually just trying to um, be as composed as you could be whenever you're with the players, um, and not did not show them any frustration because they had their own frustrations as it was. You know, they're going through all these situations. You know, fear of COVID. We didn't know enough about it at the time as well. 
Um, some have families, you know, they cared about. So it just, there was a lot of things not being answered. Uh, we were kept in the dark. So it was, um, yeah, that was an interesting time, but it was just trying to keep everybody upbeat. Um, I didn't put pressure. So right up until the last minute, I allowed any player on our roster to back out. And then I, I made sure that if they did back out, um, that I would still get them paid, you know, their, their contract, um, you know, paid out because, um, and this had to be a personal choice. And I, I, and I certainly wouldn't be the one to make someone's health choice or life choice a mandatory decision. So there was just, yeah. So, but once we got there, you know, that you're going to have your initial hiccups, the biggest one always being around food. And, and there was, but Canada, or uh, sorry, the CPL has working in the um, sponsorship side, you know, um, a lady by the name of Eva Haveris. And um, she actually, I did my national B license with, with Eva. She's a very good coach. She was a UOT coach for a short while. And, um, but she's in the, on the, on that sponsorship, corporate sponsorship side, but she was brought into this, uh, to the bubble to be that liaison between the, the team managers and the league. And she is the savior of the event. I have to say, you know, um, because she's calm, she's organized. And anytime there was an issue, she's always there to fix it no matter what time of the day. And, um, but it got fixed really fast. You know, I'd say they organized the food right away. Uh, they, they solved those issues and really just, you're just looking at what does an athlete need versus what does a head coach, you know, need. I didn't, and they were feeding really nice meals, but for the staff and they got that fixed. So the players were then getting enough uh, and proper meals. Um, yeah, it was just, I have to say they did a great job there. You know, it was, um, we couldn't leave the hotel, you know, you were kind of, but we had an outdoor space that was ours as well. So you weren't just locked indoors. Um, and then they would bus us back and forth. The, the, the field was okay. You know, we had some training pitches that we could go to. So the organization was amazing. Once we were there, yeah, I've got, I've got zero complaints. You know, they satisfied any, any questions or concerns that were there leading because of secrecy. So again, if you're not told things, you're going to make up the worst. And, um, and then you kind of have, that's how, that's what's going to form your thoughts. That's what the lack of communication will always cause. And that's what it was causing. But yeah, once there, I mean, fair play to them. They um, did a, a bang up job. And then when you were there, um, you, one of the things that you did, and something again, that you've, you, it was one of your hallmarks as a, as a coach and as, as someone who's involved in Canadian soccer is that, you know, you're, you're pretty forthcoming with your with your with your interviews with your communication you're a really straightforward individual which we appreciate a great deal um and one of the things that you were doing uh from the bubble other than giving very honest interviews uh was you were doing some blogging while inside Mm -hmm. the bubble and it was a great uh window into what it was like to be like the schedule you were dealing with um just the general day to day, and and it, I, I appreciated that you would go through some of the mundane stuff as well. Just mm-hmm. being like, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is our day, and this right. is what I'm thinking, and this is what I'm doing. And did you like? Did you find that as a as a cathartic thing somewhere, just a way to sort of get yourself centered um, on a daily basis or a weekly basis when you were doing your posts, or you just wanted to share sort of what it was like to be in the bubble. Yeah, there there was a few reasons, you know, and actually, I, I wish I had, um, I wish I kept making them and, and sharing them publicly at the end, and I let my wife talk me out of it, actually, sharing them, so, no. um, yeah, but, no, but what happened was, so, there was a couple things there, one, um, one, I, I thought it was going to be that, you know, I just, it was going to be such a different experience that would never happen again, you know, and hopefully, you know, it never happen again in my lifetime, and, 
I wanted to kind of, I wanted to um, get my thoughts and just get the experience down. So I had that, you know, forever. And then, but there was a part of me that also, you know, even before the interview I gave was, was thinking that this could be my last year head coaching for the team and um, where my thoughts were starting to go. And uh, I wanted to record it. So, so that's where it came out. And yeah, you know, and I think, you know, it's, I mean, quite honestly too, and where, you know, where I think I had conversations back home about, about that blog was I've given a lot to the club, you know, certainly over nine years and, and um, you know, just during that time and everything going on with, with, you know, that happened and that, that happened with Chris Cooley um, that, that was really hitting home and, you know, and then to see everything the team was going through, even though we weren't winning games and just to see some of the comments, you know, we've got a supporter here that has, uh, you know, he's got our, our logo tattooed on his arm. And, and he was harsh with our players, you know, online. I'm thinking, wait a second. I mean, these, these players are, they're working their asses off out here. And they've given up, you know, being home with their families. One of them has, you know, a young, a young daughter at home. His wife is pregnant with their second child. And he's here putting himself at risk, putting his family at risk because we flew back commercially um, from the, the, we didn't fly back on a chartered flight. So, so these, they're making these sacrifices to be in this event. Yes, it's their job, but still they're people. And they saw the same fears that anyone else does uh, about COVID and what this is going to look like. And I just thought some of those comments are fair. And, and I actually, you know, in my head, I thought, I'm not sure I want to share some of my thoughts with some of these fans, you know, of this club. Um, because if, if they really don't care about these players, I don't care if they don't care about me. But I was really taken aback by some of their comments about our players. And I thought, I mean, these players are your players. So they, they're your club. And um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I mean, thank you for bringing that up. It was, um, but there, the, yeah, it, it was, it was therapeutic doing it. To be able to sit down at the end of the day and put my thoughts down. So there was that part of it for sure. Um, but yeah, and I just wanted to, like you said, I'm pretty open. I mean, I don't really hide much. Um, I definitely don't. Yeah, I definitely don't back down from any questions. So I just thought it would be an interesting thing to to put out there. Well, I really, I really did. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I think I told you that, that I just, I really, I always enjoy seeing um, the thought process of, of anybody in any sort of situation like that. But also just, you know, it's always cool to hear what a, you know, how a coach approaches things or um, what they're going through trying to keep, mm-hmm. you know, 20 disparate personalities gelled. You know, like right. it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot to, to deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis. So, um, especially yeah. in a, in a trying time like that. So it was, it was really appreciated. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. And, and then, the second part is I, I've always said, and I've always said to our supporters, um, you know, the one thing I think that our league needs to be better at is actually, is actually speaking with the supporters of the league. And because football for me belongs to supporters and, you know, sharing the thoughts we don't have to be a secret society, you know, coaching. Uh, that's what the Freemasons are, but not football. And um, so why not share it, you know, and things like this, we don't have to be secret. And I think the more that we open ourselves up in this league, the better off we'll be going forward. Um, yeah. So there, there's that as well. One of the, um, and, and you just you just won a million fans from that, by the way. Well, a million. I'm slightly exaggerating. We don't have quite that many listeners. Um, one of the things that's been, I guess, controversial this past year, not even, I guess it's coming up on a year now almost, um, or rumblings of almost a full year, has been the, um, the players' union. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we really wanted to, uh, something that we have talked about a lot on this show. Um, and we've had one of the organizers of the union on the show. And it's something that we're, we're passionate about. Um, and then we've got, we just have a few questions for mm-hmm. you about that. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I guess the, the, the first, the first question is, I mean, um, what, I mean, as, as a coach, I imagine there's not much resistance, but what's your, what's your opinion of the PFA and, and maybe it's necessity or lack of necessity? Yeah. So, so thankfully I've got a job that I absolutely love here at Edmonton Scottish because I'm about to cost my chance at playing for any of these uh, or coaching for any of these owners of this league now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honored. No, nah, listen, I, um, I support a hundred percent. You know, my players know I support the union, the players at FC Edmonton. Um, I had their back the entire time. Um, the players union is something that should be ratified. And, and for so many reasons, listen, there's a, there's a salary cap in this league. The league's protected from, you know, um, what's, you know, what happens in NFL or all these sports where all of a sudden these big, massive demands come in for money. Um, the players union is more than just, I mean, a players union is there not to cause problem for a league. Every other soccer association on the planet has a players union, you know, and, and, um, but they're there for little things. I mean, we also lost his club, you know, and, and his family, Alex Seminitz is a player that, um, you know, so he's, he's obviously no longer with us. And, um, but the, the circumstances of his situation, these are some of the things that a players union helps with. So, you know, these young kids spend their entire, well, childhood, um, teenage years, early adult years trying to be a professional footballer. They, a lot of them commit everything just to that one thing. And then through any circumstance, uh, an injury, a, a coach that doesn't like them, um, an agent that, that does them a bad turn, um, it can cost these players their career. And, and so now you go from committing everything you've ever done, anything, the only thing you've ever known in your life, you're 23, 24, 25 years old, and soccer's been taken away from you, and you have nothing. So none of us ever really consider um, how that affects a young person mentally. Um, how do they deal with that? And a, a players' union is more than just wanting more money for players. A players' union is about taking care of all their players, those that leave the union. Um, is, there, is there processes in place to help them find work, to help them with support uh, things because they need it? Um, in some circumstances. So our players need it. Uh, I'm all for it. Um, yeah. And I'm happy to public advocate for them. Have you seen or at least, or whether personally or even heard secondhand um, any direct resistance from management ownership group? over over like this announcement and their proliferation no and i can say that uh, i definitely never heard that from from our club you know i i don't believe that there is um i don't believe that there's any um within our ranks i do not believe at least i've never heard that there's any real um um dissent towards a players union i've never heard that from our club at the high at the, at the ownership level um you know on the league level they don't talk about it you know um, I think there's some people high up in the league level don't really care for me anyhow because I'm outspoken. So they probably don't, they're not going to tell me anyhow. But um, so, no, I, I mean, I've never heard it from anyone within the league. No. Um, I, I just, 
I just hear what I hear from the players and, um, you know, that they're, they're trying to make conversation happen. They're trying to, uh, because they want to grow the league as well. It's in their best interest to help the CPL grow because it helps them grow. And, and the, and the quicker the CPL grows, then the better they'll do financially as well. They know that, you know, the salary cap is tied to revenue expectations and, uh, as the league grows, and if they can be a part of helping grow our league, let's face it, the players are the league at the end of the day. I think we forget that in our league mm-hmm. sometimes, but the players are the CPO. Uh, the owners are the ones I'm so thankful to for for putting up the money to make this happen. So appreciative, as is every player. Um, but at the end of the day, um, everyone that buys a ticket to come watch FC Hamilton play is not buying a ticket to come and watch Tom Fath watch a team from the sideline. They're there to watch those players perform on a pitch. So just like they're not there to watch me. And um, I, I think the, the sooner that we recognize that, the better off we'll be. And then we can all work together to make in this league a top, top league. And have this may also, uh, you may have alluded to just by the lack of communication, but do you, have you seen or heard of any, shall we say, uh, I guess, progress? Because, I mean, the last we heard is that the, the PFA has kind of announced their intention. They've, 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 gotten overwhelming support from the players but has have you heard even the smallest thing that say has moved the needle to at least not not even so much acknowledging their existence but at least hearing hearing out what they have to say and what they have to offer as a as a collective representation um like even say with things that went on in organizing the island games or any anything at all well i know that um you know i know that the league did have some meetings with fair representatives in regards to the Island games and whatnot. And um, yeah, what that would look like. So, so there has been now, there has been a process that's been established where I think there is, you know, representatives from the teams, not necessarily the union, uh, but certainly reps from the captains of the teams that have been able to sit down now on, on kind of zoom calls and, and meet with kind of league leadership on some issues. So I think that's a start. And I think that might be an olive branch. And um, you know, what I can say is, is the league can be nothing but um, impressed with the way these players manage themselves and, um, you know, and, and survive the Island games, you know, these, uh, and nobody, nobody went into those games completely fit. You, know, you saw the players did with different injury situations, but they went out there and they put on a good performance for everybody. Um, nobody broke protocol. Nobody left the hotel and, you know, uh, to get to leave the bubble, uh, no cases of COVID. So, so I think these are all things that hopefully kind of, you know, direct everyone to kind of a nice kind of um, partnership going forward with uh, with the players union and, and a league ownership group um, that's committed to growing Canadian soccer. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully things will work out there because, again, both parties, uh, a, a union, you know, the players backed by a union and the league uh, board of governors are all committed to making this league grow. And they're all so. So why not work together and making that happen?
Yes. So uh, moving on now to you know, the, the more important questions, so we say, a little uh, sort of rapid fire to, to finish us off. You mentioned like favorite MLS club, you mentioned Toronto FC, but uh, overseas team, whether it's a you know, boyhood team or just someone you like now. Yeah. It's yeah. Head North America, who's your team? Well, I know this is a setup, so but I'm going to tell you it's Liverpool, so go ahead. <laughs> um, as, as, as somebody who saw their team get thrashed over the weekend did the thrashing yeah I turned it off at four yeah, I turned it off at four yeah that was it that, that's, 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 that's impressive you had a good two years yeah, 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 for <laughs> no, no, they're still, they're still winning the prem because uh, the competition's not that great. So, um, so they'll be fine. But uh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. I support Man U. I, I agree go. with him. Yeah, I, I, I hard to disagree <laughs> with him as well. So. <laughs> what's your other? What's your? What's your alternate favorite Campiel club? Mine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I always have a soft spot for Halifax because I obviously lived there 16 years and was in the Navy there. So um, Halifax is my other. All right. Yeah, that would have been my um, that would have been my yeah dream job, really. But uh, Stephen Hart, how do you how do you replace him? Can't do it. Yeah, that soup. How do you replace that? It's impossible. And, yeah, a different kind of soup. Yeah. No, I love the man. So, yeah. OK, so. um the preface to this is that um, uh, I believe uh, last season uh, FC Edmonton had offered a deal where I think if you, I think if you bought a kit, you got four tickets, and um, a bunch of uh, Forge supporters uh, really just wanted the kit. So uh, you, I believe, you helped us uh, broker that deal collectively so that five of us could get a kit and a bunch of tickets could be donated. Right. So thank you very much for uh, for for helping facilitate hmm. that uh, i'm one of the benefactors of said nice. kit and uh it's we, it's beautiful we do it's have a nice kit. kit i have to say well that then leads me to uh my first question in regards to kits uh your favorite campio kit so far it's uh, our, our blue one from this year it, it is, is smashing well, it's so it's simple traditional it's traditional i don't know why we have to have like these disneyland kits so yeah i'm a uh I'm a, I'm a mm. traditionalist. I'm a big fan of, of clean. And collars. Collars. I, I love a nice collar. Yeah. Classy. Uh, and and, uh, and uh, the follow-up, um, not Ed, FC Edmonton, uh, would you, uh, your next favorite KMPL non-Edmonton Yeah, kit? I liked, um, I like Valors from last year. I don't like the thing this year with the, the way they mm. did their collar. But uh, last year, Valor. Yeah, the, the the faux the, the faux yeah. double collar. Yeah, we yeah. made fun of that immensely. Yeah, and then I think, um, well, worse is York's um, uh, kind of subway line. You know, that's like, that's, like, that's my map to get home if I've had a hard night drinking. Um, <laughs> so many questions so, about that. So many questions. Yeah, uh, Halifax. I, I like theirs this year. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. It is beauty. Yeah, I love it. Um, I have a follow-up to that. Uh, the, uh, the the black Eddie's kit. You, 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 you didn't like that, if I remember correctly. No, I don't. Yeah, Do you want to talk don't. about why? 
Well, I mean, right now we've got a, um, we've probably got the most divisive government in, in, in the last, well, since I've lived in, in the province. So our most divisive provincial government at the moment. Um, and we've got the legislative building on our jersey. And Edmonton is was voted all NDP, and the rest of the province voted conservative, but we're wearing their building on our chest as an Edmonton team. So I thought it was kind of silly. Yeah. Actually, you know what? What? Not knowing anything about Edmonton personally, or never been there, what would you have put on that kit other than the uh, government building? Traditionalist. <laughs> Traditionalist. That is, that is a great answer. <laughs> Because I've you seen don't the other. actually get any input into the kit designs, do you? No. Well, you know what? This year, actually. So the first two years, no, I didn't. But this past year, in January, I think it was, well, actually, right before, right when COVID, it was, um, I'm trying to think of the time. But we went to, so each team, they, they flew a representative into Italy, into the Macron uh, warehouse. And, oh, yeah. Man. and um, So jealous. It was actually, it was decent. Yeah, uh, some very good food for sure. And uh, they took it care of you. But... What, was, what, was, what was the wine like? Oh, the wine was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. so good. So good. And um, yeah, Italian beer is not the best, but um, but the wine was good. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was, but they have, but they, they go by, there's a theme. So so every year your kit's going to have, it's based on a certain theme that they come up with. So you have some, you have some room to kind of, uh, alter your 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 jersey a bit but there is a theme so you're you're kind of limited but you do have a so i guess you have a bit of say um in what the jersey looks like i mean i can tell you going into next year because i've seen them all now fc edmonton has the nicest oh. kits again yeah really yeah so i've given the club, i've given the club really another did. gift a nice kit <laughs> i'm going away gift your your exactly. benevolence is awesome. I, I try i try my best I mean, I was I was a big fan of of last year's set by far. I, I love the little lightning bolt pinstripes, yeah. and but also too, like it was the only team that had pinstripes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you made fourteen kits. How is there only one team with pinstripes? How hard was that? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, you want to? Um, what do they, what do they look like? <laughs> what ours? Just the. Well, the themes are interesting, but but yeah, I, I can't even I can't do it. I can't tell you that. All right, nah. all right. Okay, yeah. I, we can get you to talk all this about the league. I know, but Damn. I can't spoil that one. Yeah, I can't spoil that. Have they done the same yeah. thing where it's all on one template again, and they just you know they're all black kits again, or if they managed to get away from that silliness? I think they've gotten away from that. Uh, all the all black. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. All right, that's something. Yeah. Well, okay, I can look forward to that. Thank you for the insider. No problem. <laughs> mascots yes or no no yeah <laughs> no <laughs> that's, that's yeah. i'm I, i'm i'm mostly i'm mostly with you i say mostly because it's kind of like depends on how what yeah. they're like like we saw we saw forges sparks and like the groan could have been a chant of its own it was that like oh right. uh, god but whoever's in it does a pretty good Mm -hmm. job and i'm okay with it i think i've just learned to accept but uh for the most part i can you know what i will say is is the um so for the last couple years we we've always had at the end of the game we'll let all the young fans that are at the stadium they'll come right on the field 
and all our players come out, win or loss, and they'll do autographs. And um, so That's it's so cool. cool. And having the mascot there for them, I mean, where we actually we missed a good opportunity because our mascot obviously is a rabbit, and um, and we signed this deal with Volkswagen, and you know for us not to have three Volkswagens driving what? around like with a rabbit driving it. Oh my! Anyhow, yeah, yeah it's right there. Marketer as well. It's right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> you really you are so just a, a part really of do. our a part of our a part of our show, Jeff. Because I feel like we've had this conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As soon as I start my club, there I'm you calling go. you. And you can have whatever right, role you want, you. honestly. Um, so back to the Canadian Premier League. Most underrated player uh, on any of the teams within the league? This year, I would say... Oh, most underrated player. You know what? This year, I need to kind of maybe give that to Joe uh, DeCero. I think, okay. um, I think he was very, very good for that team and didn't really get enough credit. Um, yeah, but, but he, he had a good year. I think, well, who else? Um, you know who I, well, who I actually, one of my favorite players in the league, and no one ever talks about him, um, and I know he had some injury issues, but uh, Cissé is one of my favorite oh, players yeah. in the league. He really is. I, I think he's so <laughs> under, underrated. Um yeah, he was all you know. It was whenever we prepared um, to play against um, in 2019 Hamilton, he was one I worried about the most because you know Becker is a very very good player, but we know what he does. And um, and then Borges, of course, last year was just played at another level. But again, we knew we could keep him to the outside. But Cisse is a guy that we never knew where he'd pop up and he could do things that would hurt you uh, because yeah, and his engine was amazing. But he was so for me, yeah, maybe overall over the two years, I'm gonna go with him. Fair enough. And uh, similar is kind of question, but who's the most overrated? Who's the guy that those like Larson and all those other no sock wearing blowhards just talk about way too much? Put on some uh, socks. To- Tommy Wilden Jr. We just come on every week, Jeff. Jeff's <laughs> corner. Jeff's corner. Yeah, no, don't worry, Tommy. I, I love you, but no, um, let me see. Um, wow yeah who's the most overrated that's a tough one overrated player huh all right that's a hard one to give yeah i I mean i'll make fun of the managers before i make fun of the players so i'll I'll, I'll stick with my first answer i'll stick with my first answer yeah (laughs) This is gold. This is gold. Um, and uh, Tony, who used to be on our show as of now, uh, the spot's yours, Jeff. If you're available, we will move heaven and earth to work to your schedule. Uh, this has been brilliant. Sorry, Tony. Yeah. You, you will have to watch a little bit more TFC. I know it's tough because you've had a new job to settle into. But know, we'll just see what Duncan does and watch the highlights. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I have a serious uh, Alberta-related question to mm-hmm. ask you. Uh, Jasper or Banff? Um, hmm. Jasper. Nice. That's the right answer. Yeah. Sorry. I love Jasper. Actually, they're, they're both fun, but I like Jasper better. So, yeah, therefore, it is, yeah. it is exactly. Therefore, yeah. it's the right answer. Mm-hmm. And another thing here, you mentioned a few times you're a traditionalist. To play a numbers, what's, what's your – are you – 
thinking this should be, you know, keep them as low as possible or just, yeah, go yeah. with whatever. No, I do. I do. Um, I mean, I have certain, yeah, when I look at, when I look up top, I, I just, I kind of expect to see my striker wearing number nine, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, I like that as well. I, I don't like that. We're getting into these, like, you know, when a player asks me for number 43, I just can't imagine why yeah, they want 43, <laughs> you know, as an example, you know, I don't understand it. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna go look up see who's 43 on Edmonton. Just one sec, guys. I'm just gonna try. Yeah. Well, I don't know that Jeff would have allowed that. I, I feel like that wasn't uh, part of his contract. So, well, Amir did a chance for 55, and and he could have asked for 43. I would have given it to him, you know. But um, yeah. Another Edmonton related question: Alfonso Davies, mm-hmm. obviously big deal and is there really a noticeable sort of Alfonso Davies effect in Edmonton as far as people like paying attention to him and his career or you know yeah. actually younger kids getting into soccer more because of him there I think so yeah yeah I do and even even you know speaking with um agents you know and they often reference that you know they they call me about our young players in our academy now because of Alfonso Davies because Edmonton is just this name that's is known now, you know, not, not FC Edmonton as a club, but the city as a city that kind of is, you know, where Alfonso got his start. So you do see that. And then, yeah, you know, with the, um, I think anytime you're going to see, anytime you see a player reach that stature of the game at that young of an age, and it's a player that is young enough that a lot of our young players know him, have seen him playing in a, in a field across from them or whatever it is. Yeah, mm. it's definitely it's definitely kind of grown interest, and um, yeah, it's it's been great for the city. I have to say, I have a not not really not related in that sense, but I do have a question about like Canadian soccer, um, just in general the development, especially since you are really you know you're focused on on youth development and and you know moving the game forward in Canada, um, and it does relate to the campiel because it's something that. Uh, we as supporters have, have already been talking about and talked about long before the launch of the CAMPL, but uh, having uh, women's teams because mm-hmm. there's no there's no place in Canada outside of like League One Ontario right. for women to play. So whether it's bringing, you know, do we do, you know, you talked about, you know, the Eddies joining the USL, whether it's NWSL uh, franchises up here for now until CAMPL is more viable and yeah. thinks about putting forth a, a women's a women's you know league. Uh, what are where would you go with this? Yeah, NWSL to start off certainly put a team in Toronto, put a team in Vancouver, and um, because then you then I think you can attract you know um, yeah some pretty solid players from both those those two regions, um, and that gives us a good base. Plus, it also provides then you make those teams Canadian based, and and you're providing you know, full-time employment to 44 uh, professional players, um, but just that. So that's a starting point because we don't have anything yet. You know, I, I, I do believe um, that the CPL, you know, eventually when it gets big enough and, and I, quite honestly, but the people behind the scenes, you know, and, and I'll, I'll make my comments and I'll have a bit of fun, but with the people behind the scenes and, you know, the Scott Mitchells of the world and whatnot that are working really hard to drive the league, I do believe, that there will t- there will come a time when we'll see um, you know professional women's soccer in our country that's CPL led. I hope that is sooner than later, um, because quite honestly, you know, in the grand scheme of world football, 
you know, our, our female players are stronger than our male players, you know, in, in relation to the, to the game across the planet. So they need a place to play. And I 100%. hope it, yeah. Yeah. I hope mm -hmm. it's CPL. I, I truly do. And when that time comes, yeah. Is, is that something that you would get involved in if you were, if you were approached like from a development side or oh, anything? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite, one of my favorite, um, coaching positions I've ever had was working with the 1994 girls team, Southwest United. And we had about, I think 10 of our players were in the national training center at the time. And just a very, very good team, but just great, just great kids to work with. And they've all gone on and now, you know, they've all gone on to university, some NCAA scholarships, local Canadian university scholarships, and they're all doing great things now, you know? So yeah, I would jump at that a heartbeat. All right. Future NWSL franchises. Here's your man right here. Um, hey, we'll get you back to Toronto. There you yeah. go. Um, <laughs> you can see you can see my wheels turning here. I'm gonna like start harassing people I know that are trying to push for this here. Um, this has been really, really fantastic uh, having you on here and uh, you being so candid um, and so much great information and stories for us. Anything? Is there anything else that you're like, man? They didn't ask me about this that you wanted to share with us before we say goodbye. No, I think that's, um, I think that's good. You know, um, yeah, I've got nothing. Yeah. Nothing else. Really. Nothing burning away that you were just like, I must talk about this. Yeah. More Tommy Wheeler. Yeah. You know, awesome. Tommy, Tommy's a good friend of mine. I have to say it. And, and, um, I, I should have said Rob Gale, but, uh, <laughs> there you go. Or yeah. Bobby's beard or something. Right. I don't know. Come on. Uh, listen, that is majestic. Cause I tried to, I was growing, I it was is. growing a pandemic beard and the coaches all got on a zoom call. And that's the first time I saw his, I shaved mine the next day. Because you can't, why you can't even, yeah. You, I mean, it's bad enough. He beats that, me on the, that's the right answer. And beat me with the, uh, with the beard as well. So, yeah. So I got rid of mine. But, no. Yeah. No, Tommy, Tommy's actually a very, very good friend. And I'm, I'm joking around, you know, really there's, um, yeah, you know what? That was that was actually probably the hardest question you asked me was um and I don't I didn't want to yeah I just I find all of our players are working so hard and it doesn't always work out for them in their environment and it might not work out for them because of the a relationship with the coach a playing system you know and um, yeah and let's be honest I man I could have been on that list of most overrated as well <laughs> so uh, that's why I wanted to avoid it but anyhow yeah I love you Tommy if you listen to this. Uh, I mean, I only half, I only half meant it. <laughs> also, Tom, if you're listening exactly. to this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like the best thing ever. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so very much for taking uh, time out of your day to, to, to spend with us and uh, be silly with us uh, as well as talk about lots of serious things. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Come back anytime. Yeah, we thank will, you very we'll, much. Really, we'll kick the other guy off permanently, or or, or, oh, or yeah, whatever. No, you know, I, he and, yeah, Timmy. What's his name? Some of the T. He's, he's gone. gone. He's done. Yeah, yeah. He's gone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, honestly, anytime. I love it. I, I love just yeah. The banter is great. I really enjoyed this. So this is my favorite one I've done. So thank you very much for having me on. Uh, right. thank you. Uh, Cheers, I thank know. You, seriously, I'm like I literally I like a feel. Ah, uh, okay. Well. This has been our show for this week. Uh, please join us next week when we talk about a lot of TFC because they got a lot of games going on. Uh, we will talk about probably 
I don't know, Hamilton's probably rounding into some prep work. We might push them off for one more week. Uh, see what's happening in the land of MLS. Uh, basically, we're just going to talk about the fact that it's going to be Toronto and Seattle in the final. See if anything exciting happens during the international break and more. I have been joined by most of the Vocal Minority podcast panel uh, to be found on the Twitters at Duncan D. Fletcher, Mr. Duncan Fletcher. Hello. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Jeff. Everything Kristen said, you've uh, you've been great. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, on the Twitterverse, uh, Kittner and Mark with a K, not a Q, Mr. Mark Hinckley. Uh, we have a merch store. Find the links on our website. It's pretty good. It's on Zazzle. Uh, and also thank you to everybody for your continued support through Patreon. Coach, it was a pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed uh, it. Jeff can be found on Twitter sometime. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> if he's coming back to Twitter or not. Um, but, you know, keep, keep, keep your eye out. He's, he's, yep. he's, a, he's a great tweet to follow. <laughs> um, we do also have, speaking of our Zazzle store, we have a very special FC Edmonton shirt that says Run Rabbit Run. Just putting that out there. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, and you can find me on the internet. Yes, the entire internet at KZ Knowles. I have been your host, Kristen Knowles. And until next week, Canada, get used to it.